Amen. Take a seat. Just not too far because you'll need it again. Uh, maybe next week. Every now and again I get a little chuckle. Thanks, Bernie. I'm going to read the word to us this morning. Usually we've been getting one of our elders uh, to do this and it was only Andrew was here this morning and uh, I threw him under the bus the other week. So, uh, <laughs> And I didn't print it in big enough font. Uh, got your back. I've got your back. Um, right, I'm reading from Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And Josh up the back, he is going to have it on the screen because he is a guru of the screens. Aren't you, Josh? See, he's so humble he won't even say yes. He just is. All right, Jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit. Mark, big nine, little 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. And scribes arguing with them, and immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able and he answered them, O faithless generation, how long, how long I am to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Thanks, big fella. Thanks, Dave. High five for Dave. Thanks, Dave. Hit the benches, mate. Hit the benches there, fella. Hey, uh, there's a lot of stuff. Can you hear me? There's a lot of stuff in this uh, particular story. Um, when Dave asked me to do this one, I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. I've, I have never preached on this one before, but I'll jump in the deep end and I'll do something that is actually quite hard. And when I was reading it, I was like, um, if I can get a spirit that can go into my kids to make them mute, I don't, know that I, want it. I don't know that I want Jesus to take it out. When Jesus says, get out and don't come back again, I'm like, maybe come back on Sundays, Sunday afternoon, so I can have a little rest. Anyway, I wasn't going to say that. I want to ask you a question this morning to start off with. And my question is this, um, <clears throat> and this is an easy answer, and I know you're going to give me it quick. Is God good? Yes. Yeah, he is. Is God fully good? You know the scripture, that song that we sang earlier, um, 
uh, all my life you have been so, so good. I've always laughed at that. I don't, I, I, I'm a words person sometimes. It's kind of like, I, you are so, so good. But sometimes I'm like, is my heart sometimes I come in and go, you are so, so good, not fully good. Sometimes I, I have this pl- place where I'm in, with my faith and I'm like, if God is fully good, then I am going to expect him to do everything he said he was going to do. But when I live my life during the week, I pray and I doubt that God's going to do everything that he said he was going to do. I doubt. I have doubts. Does anybody else have doubts in the church sometimes when we're praying for, for certain things? This particular scripture, this, this story, is a behemoth of faith. Because Jesus places himself in the middle of, we know, this is not in this particular story, but just before it, Jesus was at the Mount. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you don't know what that is, he actually goes up the mountain with, um, with Peter, James and John to pray. He just goes up. And while he's up there, two people appear before him. It's Elijah and Moses, Elijah and Moses. They appear on the mountaintop. So I'm a visual person. I hope you don't mind me doing this. Let's say this is the mountaintop. And Jesus is up on the mountaintop and he's hanging out with the two guys and the, two, the three disciples are there and they're seeing Jesus on the mountain and it says that he is transfigured. His whole body glows with light and he has fellowship with these, these two blokes. And then the presence of God comes down from heaven as a cloud and then they all hear, this is my son, I love him, do what he says. This is not when Jesus comes up out of the Jordan and he's baptised and uh, the, the voice goes, this is my son and I am well pleased. Of This is different. God says, this is my son, I love him, listen to what he says. And then they come down the mountain and in the first verse of the story that we just read, uh, it's verse 14. If you want to, you can put it up there if you want to. My translation's a little bit different than the one that you read out, Dave. But Jesus comes down from the mountain and as he's walking down to the mountain, and I said, I'm visual, mountaintop, Jesus is walking down and then there's the disciples, a crowd of people and teachers of the law and they're arguing. So I'm going to read it through, I'm just going to read the story through and then stop every now and then. Is that cool? When they, Jesus, came to the other disciples down here on the floor, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Verse 15, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Jesus says something very specific, right? Jesus says in verse 16, what are you arguing with them about? Jesus, when I read a scripture like this, I read it and I think, what does Jesus not say here? And what does he say? Jesus doesn't say, is it up there? Verse 16, Jesus doesn't say, hey everyone, what are you talking about? He doesn't say, he doesn't address all of them, he addresses the, it looks like he's addressing the disciples and the crowd and he says, what are you, let's put the crowd here and the religious guys over here. He says, what are you arguing, arguing with them about? He's just come from the presence of God and he's walked down the mountain and he says, hey, 
What are you arguing with, with them about? There is a separation in what Jesus says. He doesn't say, hey, group of people, what are we all talking about here? Can I get involved? He says, you, what are you arguing with them about? Jesus separates the faithful and the religious. And I'm going to harp on that so hard this morning. Is that okay? The religious teachers of the law, the head guys, and Jesus says, what are you arguing about? No, he says, what are you arguing with them about? It, it, I said it in an aggressive way, then he's actually being really gentle. What are you arguing with the religious guys about? That is verse 16. Jesus, down, disciples, what are you arguing with them about? And I want to ask you this, what do you get involved in with your conversation with a religious mindset that you need to disconnect yourself from? The religious mindset, trying to explain to everybody why you believe certain things or why you don't believe certain things. Jesus stands in the middle and he says, and I'm asking you this morning, is there any conversations that you get involved in where you think, I probably need to pull my head out of this because I either don't have an answer or I feel like my answer is a little bit faithless because of my lack of experience with what we're talking about. Does anybody feel that sometimes? It's okay if you don't. I, I, I'm, I was expecting this to be a little quiet this morning, but you can get a bit vigorous if you want to because I will too. Um, yeah, this is an us and them kind of question that Jesus asks. He says, we don't fully believe what that religious mindset is. Jesus doesn't even need to know the context of what they're talking about. He already does because he's God, but he doesn't need to know the context of what's, what they're talking about for him to actually step in and say, why are you arguing with them? But then he says, what are you arguing about? Does that make sense? No? Yeah? Why are you arguing with them? He sees them. He has arguments with them later on and previous to this. But why are you, who are pure, who have come to me with wonder, wonder, the Bible, that scripture says, you have run to me with wonder, why are you wasting your time talking with this faithless mindset people. Why are you arguing with them? What are you arguing about? Uh, verse 17, let's move on. It says, a man in the crowd comes to Jesus and says, teacher, I brought my son who is possessed with a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid, stiff, like my kids do when I try and put them in the car. <laughs> becomes rigid and stiff. I asked your disciples who are here in the group, I asked your disciples to, to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. First up, my kids have, have, have had greater manifestations in the aisle of, of woolies. <laughs> have yours too? Oh, he's foaming at the mouth and he's throwing himself on the ground again. 
Why? Hugo, mate, I'm not going to get you another Kit Kat. They're $3.50 today. Let's come back next week when they're $1.10. Stop it. But this, this man comes to Jesus and says, your disciples, this is what we're arguing about. Your disciples can't get the demon out of my little boy. Jesus then says in verse uh, 19, verse A, A, he says, you unbelieving generation, this feels harsh, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now, I don't know about you, but that seems so harsh. You unbelieving generation, how long do I have to stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? I think Jesus is actually talking to that mindset. The mindset of we are arguing about something based on a lack of belief. The disciples couldn't get the, G, the, the, the demon out. These people, these people um, were, he, Jesus doesn't say you have unbelief, the disciples have unbelief. He actually refers to a generation of unbelief. That is a huge point. He's not saying, you don't believe, disciples, you know better not to talk to them. He actually says, how long do I have to put up with an unbelieving generation of people? Are we an unbelieving generation of people? You might say no, but I think there might be a part of your heart that says, maybe a bit. How long do I have to put up with this unbelieving generation of people? Jesus says, he's not being harsh, he desperately loves people and he desperately wants to see that little boy released and he desperately wants the disciples to be able to do it and he doesn't want us to enter into the religious discussion about why it's not happening. He doesn't want us to do that. He says this generation of unbelief is killing what we are trying to do, God. Does that make sense? And what happens with the generational unbelief is that we start to have conversations with each other, the unbelief, and we start to say, God doesn't really work the way that He did in the Bible. That was New Testament times. And the fact is, we are in New Testament times today. We are standing in New Testament times. And Jesus says, you will do immeasurably more that I'm going to do. Whatever you've seen me do, you guys are going to do more. But he's speaking to the, the, the generational unbelief. Now, you don't have to feed back. I've done this myself. Where you've been in a conversation and you've been talking about a miracle that needs to happen. Somebody needs to be saved. Somebody needs to be set free of a demon. Somebody needs to be healed. Somebody's about to die and they need to be healed. You want them to be healed and you think, the Bible says that I can do this. So I'm going to lay hands on them and I'm going to pray. But there's a part of you that goes, but if it doesn't come true, I'm going to have a doctrine built around the fact that it hasn't happened. Has anybody else done that before? I'm going to pray for healing and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to have a slick religious mindset that's going to say why it didn't happen, just in case. It's the safety mechanism. What if it doesn't happen? What if somebody walks in the church today and has a demon, and I pray, and it doesn't come out? 
what am I going to do then? Am I going to have a doctrinal mindset understanding? Am I going to walk over to these guys and say, let's talk about why it didn't happen? Is that the generational belief that I'm going to be a part of? And I've done it before. They weren't healed. Why weren't they healed? They weren't set free from that demon. Why not? Well, I don't know, but let's talk about why it didn't happen. And then you go down this long, deep conversation about why it didn't happen. And then we all come around and go, there's a reason that it doesn't happen. And I want to say, that is a faithless conversation. There's a little bit of faith there. But that is a faithless conversation where we try and come up with little reasons why things don't happen when the Bible says they do happen. And you'll do more than what Jesus says. But more than what Jesus does, immeasurably more. You won't be able to measure it. So why can't these disciples get the demon out? That's the question that these guys are arguing with. And Jesus goes, don't even go there. Don't even have the conversation with these guys. How long do I need to be around people who have a generational mindset that I don't work? That's the question that he's asking. How long do I have to put up with people who believe that I can't do what I'm doing right now? I've just come from the mountain with God. How long? And I wonder what the disciples were thinking then. I wonder if we're disciples and we're standing here and we're listening to Jesus say that and we couldn't get the demon out. And the dad's walked up with the son and the dad's pointed his finger at us and gone, we can't do this. I'd be like, how embarrassing, stop, stop, just don't, we'll go and talk to Jesus later about it, just stop, how embarrassing, oh my gosh. And Jesus groups them all together, unbelieving generation. I could go on this for a long, long time. But Jesus does something different. He has come this far. He's been with God. He's come down the mountain. The man has come to him. The disciples have got their tail between their legs. These religious guys are smug as I'd imagine. The Bible doesn't say it. But if I'm having an argument about why you disciples can't do it and I don't like Jesus, I'm like this, told you, I don't even need to argue now because Jesus is about to whip you hard and I'm here to watch it. I'm going to enjoy this. And Jesus doesn't get the boy out, doesn't get the demon out yet. Jesus doesn't go to the boy. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. You couldn't do it, unbelieving generation. I'm not even looking at you, dogs. Bring the boy to me. Bring him here. I've come this far. You've stepped out of the crowd. Come a little further. I've been in the presence of God. Now you bring him into the presence of God. You bring him here. I want everyone to see. And the Bible says that the crowd starts to gather even more. And when Jesus sees it, he does something. This is where the story turns away from the unbelief and onto something different. Bring the boy up here. Bring him to me. This is the Jesus that I know. This is the Jesus that I like. 
And this is the Jesus that we as a church need to follow. Bring that demon boy to me. I'm about to do something. Hey, religious people, bring the boy to me. Bring him here. Hey, doubt and disbelief and unbelieving generation, bring it, bring it into the open before God. Don't go out the back and pray. Don't wait for the church to go out and do it down the front quietly. Come out here now. Bring it out. The crowd's coming. Let's go. You stay. You know, you stay. You stay, religious guy. You stay. You watch. Let's go. Bring the boy up to me. Hey, mindsets that I don't work. Bring that boy up to me. Hey, unbelief. Hey, discussion you had on Wednesday night about why someone wasn't healed. Bring that unbelief up to me. Bring, bring it before the King of Kings and I'm about to do something that's going to blow this thing out of the way, that's going to mute you guys. I might bring that demon out and put him into you because you guys just have nothing to say that's helpful. Jesus wouldn't do that, by the way. <laughs> we can delete that bit off the video, can't we? Oh, I'm so glad I'm not Jesus. Imagine me as God. Get out of it. No, don't, don't, don't go to the pigs. Get into these blokes. I've had a gutful. Bring your need here to me and I'm about to do something. What have you got here? I'm not, I wasn't going to do this, but what have you got here today that you feel like is a mute spiritual fear that you haven't spoken out before? What have you got here today in your mind, in your experience, in your heart that you need to bring before God today and say, I need you to get this thing off me. Some of you might feel like God wants you to say something, speak into a vacuum of impossibilities. I want you to bring it to Jesus today. These are lovely words I'm saying, but this is power here. If there's an impossible thing in front of you, like a demon boy that's mute, or a mindset that is stopping you from stepping into a faithful way of living, bring it to here today, to God. Is that okay? Bring it here today, because God wants to do something. Jesus says to the dad, stand up, activate your faith, bring him the next couple of steps. Is only a little. You've come this far bring it a little further. I could harp on it for ages, but I won't. So they brought the little boy to Jesus, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, that's significant, the Spirit then can see Jesus. The Spirit in the little boy sees Jesus. The implication here is that the demon couldn't see the authority of Jesus in the unbelieving generation. The demon was there while they were trying to have the argument about why the demon's not getting out. And the demon's like, this is easy. I'm not going anywhere. You disciples have no idea what your authority is because you're trying to do it in your own thing. You, you disciples don't even know because you're trying to say the right words to get me out. But I'm not going anywhere. This boy's mine. He's been mine, and we find out later, since he was a little kid, this is mine. You have no authority, but when they see Jesus, 
that's when it starts to manifest. It hasn't manifest yet. The dad said, it's done this before. Jesus hasn't seen it manifest. They haven't either. But when it sees Jesus and his authority, that's when it starts to manifest. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy to the ground into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth, asking for another Kit Kat from Woolies. When it saw Jesus, it fell on the ground and started to manifest then. Come on, Jesus. Who doesn't love a God like that? Where even the demons walk before him and he's done nothing yet. He's just standing here. And it starts to manifest. I could go on this for ages. Jesus asked the boy's father. He's watching the boy and he says to the, the dad... How long has he been doing this? Why didn't Jesus just pull the demon out then? He talks to the dad first. How long has this been happening? He wants the dad to testify to how bad it got. Does Jesus need to know your past in order to save you today? Does he need to know it? Does he need to know what is oppressing you, what is holding you down? Maybe, maybe not. The fact is, in this moment... Jesus asks the dad, how long has he been going for? And I think that what Jesus was doing, he was actually being quite pastoral. I just think Jesus wanted the crowd to know this has been a big thing, but he's actually talking to the dad. That's gentle, that's pure, that's lovely. I like a Jesus like that. He's not the big, boom, let's boot the demon out. He's like, let's be pastoral here. Let's be sensitive. I need to understand, I already know what's going on, but I want you to see that I am trying to understand what's actually going on here. Jesus cares for the dad. Jesus cares for the boy. He actually cares because Jesus operates not out of a place of, look what I'm about to do, yippee-ki-yay demons, watch it, religious guys, watch this generation. Jesus operates out of a place of care. He gets the demon out, not because of a show. He gets the demon out because he cares. He cares about that little boy's future. He cares about the dad. And he cares about people watching him care, because God cares. Doesn't he? From childhood, the dad says. It has often thrown him into the fire or water. This is in verse 22. It has often thrown him into fire or water to try and kill him. But if, Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Again, care. Jesus, if you can do anything. Jesus, if you can do it. Here's the unbelief again. If you can do it. Unbelieving generation. You almost had it there, Dad. You almost had it. If you can do anything. Jesus. And that's a pure thing to say. Jesus, if you can do anything. Please get the demon out of my kid, if you can do it. Jesus doesn't leave that there. He doesn't leave that if. He hits it. If I was that dad and I said that and then Jesus started to talk to me about it, I'd be like, oh, no, I shouldn't have said if. Because he's just whipped these guys because of the unbelieving generation. If you can do it. I'd be like, oh, no, I said if. I should have said, Jesus, go, please, just do it. And Jesus goes, I'm not leaving that on the table. He says, if I can, if I can do it, if I can do it, 
you're asking me if I can do it. The disciples, if I was a disciple, I'd be like this, oh no, yes, great, now he's going to cop it. (laughs) Now he's in the firing line, awesome, awesome, that's good. If I can, if you can do it, and the dad would be standing there with a kid on the floor, convulsing, going, oh no, what have I done? If I can, if I can do it, and Jesus doesn't rebuke the guy's faith, he doesn't rebuke the disciples, he doesn't say, you were right, I can't. He, he just doesn't enter into the conversation. He just says, if I, can, if I can, and then he says, everything is possible for the one who believes. If you can, Jesus, if I can, I can. I can do this, but he takes the... It, this guy's thrown the onus on Jesus to do it, and Jesus goes, it's not me, All things are possible for those who believe. Do you believe me? Do you believe what I can do? Do you believe what I've done before? If I can, I can. But all things are possible. Your son is possible. Your healing is possible. Your mindset change is possible. Your mental illness, gone, is possible. I can... All things are possible for those who believe, for the one who believes. Now, we might be a church who doesn't believe that God can work. We might be a church that believes that God can't take a demon out. We might be a church that believes that cancer can't be healed. We might be a church that believes that mindsets can't be changed. But the one in the church that can believe that, all things are possible. Because God says, I can. If, how many people are here today? I don't know, 50? For those on the camera here, 450 people here at Kingsway Church this morning. If there's 450 people in this room that don't believe that someone can get healed, but there's one that does, then God can work with that one. Are you going to be a one and go, I don't care what everybody says, the religious spirit, I don't care what everybody says, if they're a generation of unbelief, I'm going to be that one that believes that he died on the cross, rose again with the power of the resurrection and I'm going to believe that today. I'm going to believe that it can happen. If I was that dad, I'd be like, yeah, I do believe that, sorry, but he doesn't say that. Well, he kind of does, but he kind of gives himself a little out. He says this. Actually, let me just touch on this. There's a scripture where Jesus goes into his hometown and he tries to heal a whole bunch of people. And what does he say? Does anybody know what he says when he goes into his hometown? Pardon? Yeah, they don't believe. They are living on an old revelation of who Jesus was, the son of the carpenter. And he can't do many miracles other than laying hands on people and and healing them, which for us would be huge, right? But Jesus goes, I can't actually do amazing things because of the unbelief of this place that I'm in. I can't, my hands are tied to your belief of what I can do. I've been doing all this amazing stuff out in the wilderness and in the big towns, but I come to my hometown where things are familiar, like they were last Sunday and the Sunday before 
and I can't work on this Sunday because of what you believe I can't do last week, because of the theology that you have or because of the doctrine that you've built around unbelief. Jesus, it's, it's in Mark 6 verse 5. Jesus couldn't do, couldn't do many miracles in his hometown because of their level of belief. That's a real kick for me. Jesus says, no, the, the boy's father says, I do believe, help my unbelief. The part of my heart that doesn't believe that you can do something, please help it. Now, I like this because I've prayed this a hundred times. Jesus, I believe you can do stuff, but the places inside of me that I don't believe, can you help me? I have an impossible thing here in front of me, my son possessed on the ground. Whatever it is, somebody's sick in the family. Bills need to be paid. I have this belief that you can work, but there is also a vacuum of unbelief that I need you to fill with an active hand. I need you to do something to help that place of unbelief. Right? I need you to do something. And I think this is an, this is an okay thing for him to ask. I think this is an okay thing. I do believe, help my unbelief. But then I pray that, and then I don't just sit there and wait for God to do something. I step into that place of unbelief. So if this is my unbelief, and I believe that God can do that, and I'm asking Him to do something, I partner with Him in that, and I say, I'm going to declare it done. I know that you can heal, and I'm going to step out of the crowd with my son, and I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to place my faith in what you said you can do, and I'm going to declare it done. I'm going to declare it healed. I'm going to declare the demon out. I'm going to do what you want me to do in order to work with you to step into that belief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit, he rebuked it. He then spoke to the spirit, not the boy, he's spoken to the dad, he's not spoken to the boy, but now he's speaking to the spirit. And he says, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, get out of him and never come back again. Boom. Get out and never come back. It's done. This, you find that Jesus is not counselling the little boy here. I've been in churches before where somebody comes in, manifests with the spirit, with a spirit, unclean spirit, and we get on the floor and we counsel the person. What's going on? How are you feeling? Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't even touch the boy. He speaks to the spirit. He counsels the man, beautiful, gentle, but he speaks to the spirit. He's trying to understand the history, but he speaks to the spirit. That is powerful. You have authority. These disciples didn't know it. These guys were trying to tell them that they didn't know it and why it wasn't working. But you have the authority in Jesus' name because he does it, we don't. I can't get a demon out of somebody, but Jesus can but I have the authority in Jesus' name to do it. And if you're saved, so do you. If you're saved, you have the authority to lay hands on people and in Jesus' name, I command that illness to come out of your body. You have it. Jesus doesn't talk to these guys about why it's not working. 
He just does it. He doesn't talk to these blokes. He rebukes the unbelief and then he does the miracle. He does it. He has authority over it. The spirit convulses and and the demon comes out. The miracle's done. The demon's gone, never to come back again because Jesus told it not to. Then, after after they kind of disperse, they all go indoors into a house and it says his disciples ask him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? This is a pure question. And you might have the question here, I'm going to say probably all of you have asked that question before. Why didn't it work, God? They don't have the conversation with the religious guys anymore, they're out of the story. So is the crowd. Jesus is now talking to his disciples, debriefing with with his disciples. And he sits down, well, it doesn't say he sits, I'm just picturing it. He has a chat with them, sits down with them and they say to him, why couldn't we drive out the demon? Why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we do it? We said everything right. We did everything right. I got sick of talking to them. I just, my heart wanted to see this little boy set free from the demon. Why couldn't we do it? Jesus doesn't tell them why it didn't work. He does something else. And I want to say this. You might be asking yourself questions. Like, I've, I've prayed for people's healing before. I've prayed for demons out of people before. I've declared things and it just hasn't worked. God doesn't work for me. Maybe I've sinned. Maybe I've done stuff. Why won't God work for me? That is a real question. That is a beautiful question. But it's also a very dangerous question to go down without placing your heart in the presence of God. Because if you start to go down that path, why didn't I? You start to walk towards that religious mindset. Why didn't it work for me? And then, now that I think about it, I prayed for someone's headache. Headaches are easy, God. Why didn't it work? And why didn't that thing happen that I asked for? I prayed for that in quiet, just in case it didn't work. Why didn't it happen? And yeah, and then that one too. And then this one too. And I've got a friend here who's coming to talk to me about the fact that it didn't work for them too. And here's a church over here. They talk about the fact that God doesn't work today too. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like, you know... Maybe God used to work in the Old Testament. Maybe you used to work in the New Testament sometimes. Beautiful stories. But maybe it's not for now. Maybe I've sinned. Maybe I'm too far gone. Maybe I don't read the Bible enough. Yeah, that's probably it. I don't read the Bible enough. And then that religious, rubbish mindset starts to take hold of us and squash us into a place where God does not want it. And Jesus says, how long do I have to be with this unbelieving generation of people? I'm going to do the miracle. I'm not going to tell you why things don't work. I'm just going to tell you how it does work. Because I don't care about why things don't work. All I care about is going back up the mountain every day with my God and spending time with my Father and then walking down the mountain again and letting Him manifest in whatever capacity I go in. And if stuff doesn't happen the way I want it to, I'm going to go back up that mountain every day and I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to worship. I'm going to have fellowship with God and I'm going to come back down that mountain every single day and I'm going to say, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my prayer. When the disciples asked him, how do we pray? 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's his will in heaven? No sickness, no demons, no disease. If that's what you said at the mountain, God, if you said that up here in the mountain, Father, then I'm going to go into your presence every day and I'm going to come back down and I'm going to take that heart with me. Your will be done on earth right now as it is in heaven. God's will in heaven is that there is no sickness, no gnashing of teeth, no manifest kids in the hallway of of Woolies. I believe that can happen. I believe family can be at peace because there's peace in heaven. There's no chaos in heaven. And if my family is in chaos sometimes, I'm just going to declare peace and I'm going to ask God, give me wisdom here to know how to bring peace. Not keep peace, bring peace. Father, there are demons manifesting in the church. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No demons. Demon, in Jesus' name, I declare that you are gone and never come back. I don't have to minister a hundred times over and over and over again. I don't have to... I don't have to just... I don't have to have the right words or the right script to say. I just need to know that I'm a child of God and... God wants to work through me and God wants to do amazing, miraculous things through me. Jesus answers their question, why didn't it work? Not by answering the question. He just says, oh, that's, that, that, that stuff doesn't happen without prayer and fasting. And what is prayer and fasting? It is going to God every day and saying, Father, I don't know what to do and how to do this but you do. I'm going to stand in your presence. I'm going to worship you. And I don't care about the religious spirit. And I don't care about my unbelief. You do. Do something in my world as I step into my world. Manifest. Do what you want to do. Let me see what you want me to see. Let me feel what you want me to feel as I go into my today, today on Sunday, as I go into my family, as I go out and have coffee, let me see what you want me to see, let me feel what you want me to feel. Prayer is talking to God. Fasting is denying my understanding, my body's need for food, or if you're gonna fast social media, if you're gonna fast television, whatever you wanna fast, It is taking that thing out of my life so that I can replace it with you, God. Sleep. You can fast sleep. (laughs) It's not healthy. You can get up earlier. You can. You can go to bed earlier. You can wake up in half an hour earlier tomorrow, sit down with your coffee and say, God, there is a silent house that I'm sitting in right now. Show me a scripture. I'm going to read Psalm 1 and I'm just going to let it spring out to me. And then whatever you give me then, I'm going to take it into today. Whatever it is. So what's my big encouragement today? I don't know. Does anybody feel a little discouraged today? (laughs) If you're an unbelieving, if you've got unbelief in your mind and you have an impossibility before you, ask God, help my unbelief and then step into it. If you've got a religious mindset and you, even now, 
are angry with what I'm saying because you feel like, I prayed for that and it didn't happen. And here's the scripture that I can use. Here's my doctrinal understanding as to why it didn't work. I want to say it's probably wrong because Jesus said, I'm going to tell the demon to get out. I'm going to heal people and set them free. And if you spend time with me, you'll do more than that. And if you're not, then come back and spend more time with me. Because I'm not going to tell you why stuff doesn't work. I'm just going to tell you how it does. And how it does work is to be in the presence of God. Yeah? Consistently being in the presence of God. Consistently. Not once a week. He is a good God. I asked you the question, is he good? He is good. He is a good God. He is a good God. You said it before, he's a good God. And if he is a good God, then the impossibility before us, he will fill it if we step into it. He'll come just as far as he needs to and then he'll say, bring it before me and spend time with me. I'm going to pray for us now. Um, And then Joe is going to lead us in that song that we sang before. And you can sit, you can stand, whatever you want. But I just want us to sit this Sunday morning, sit in the presence of God and just say, God, speak to me. God, show me the impossibility. Sorry for what I believed you couldn't do. I'm going to lean into it today. And I'm not going to be part of that unbelieving generation anymore. I'm going to be the one in the church where you can do the impossible through. Yeah? Let's pray. Jesus, you're real and you're powerful and you're awesome and we believe it. We believe that you are good. We believe that you are powerful and we believe that you are active. And God, this morning, we bring our unbelief before you. And I pray right now, God, that you would take it away. Whatever it is in our life now, if it's a demon, if it's a mental health issue, if it's a sickness, if it's something that needs to be paid, if it's, if it's a chaotic family, if it's a family member that doesn't know you, Jesus, we throw that at your feet now. We bring it before you, God, now. You've come this far, Father, and we've come to church this morning, and we bring it and we throw it down at your feet right now. Jesus, where we have understood that you don't work, we give that to you now, and we repent of it. We repent of our faithlessness, God, and we say afresh today, you are real, and you are powerful, and you want us to step into a place of powerful living for your kingdom, for your glory. Not just for our kingdom, but for your kingdom, for your glory. So God, we now, this morning, we bring our impossible to you. And we don't want to think about why it hasn't happened yet. We just want to stand here today, God, with our impossible in our hands. And we believe, Father, that you can do it. We know you can. We're not having the mindset of if God can. We say, God, you are good. We know you can. 
and we bring it to you afresh here this morning. Let's stand as we pray this. Father, in your heart, guys, I just want you to say this, repeat after me. Father, we say yes to you. We believe that you are real and that you are good and that you have a great life for us, for your kingdom. Let your will be done on earth today as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we command a release in our thinking. In Jesus' name, we command healing to be done in our life. Jesus, I pray that you would take our old ways of thinking and our old ways of living and that you would do something powerful, Father. We step into our vacuum of unbelief. Help our unbelief, God. Thank you that you care for us and our family and our future. And in Jesus' name, we declare that the days ahead are better than the days behind. If you believe that, I want you to say amen. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you have breath in your lungs, God has the next level of belief for you to step into. And if fear has captured your heart and you are in that fight or flight or freeze space, I want you to imagine that in front of you right now. And there's another F, and it's faith. Fight, flight, freeze. We give that to you, God, right now. As we step into a place of faith and power, God, in your name. Amen.